Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. All right, it's good to see y'all today. And man, I am so excited about sharing the word. Uh, I had a longer time to prepare because I was actually supposed to do last week, but I think it was definitely intentional by the Lord. Uh, It's the right timing and it's the right word for today because I do think a lot of people, especially when our world is upside down, ask themselves, okay, so what am I supposed to do? So I think that um, it's looking to the word for our purpose as a believer is very important right now. And I believe it's applicable and relevant for each and every one of us. Um, I am a mom of four children and they're all 18 months apart except the last two are 21 months apart. So I was in uh, the season of uh, pregnancy and nursing and toddlerhood for a very long and intense season. And uh, one thing that I relate to the most is being a mom because I do love it. Um, I wanted to be a mom. I looked forward to it. And it is my favorite thing that I get to do. And I just know that the one of the reasons why I'm able to do what I do is because I had a great mom. And if everybody, anybody in this room had a mom, you know that they had momisms. Okay, momisms, everybody, every mom has something that they say over and over again that you remember to this day that by, I know if I told that to my mom, this is what she would say because you already know what she was going to say. And I know some of us may have heard, were you raised in a barn? You know, that means close your mouth when you're chewing. That means put, don't put your elbows on the table. All of those things that it means. You know, maybe you heard if your friend jumped off a cliff, does that mean that that's a good idea that you should too? You know, maybe they said, because I said so. Anybody heard because I said so? That is a great reason why, if you're a mother. (laughs) It is a great reason. But in all seriousness, there are certain phrases that moms say that shape who you are. And because we do believe words are life, and we are creating life or taking life away. And so as a mom, we have the opportunity to speak life over our kids. And I so remember, I have two older sisters. I was the baby. So of course, I was the one that had the most complaints. And I remember going to my mom when life was so unfair and so hard and so miserable. And I'm so upset, obviously looking for her to completely agree with me, take my side, correct the other person. And this is my mom's response 100% of the time was, God loves you and has a plan for your life. And so (laughs) I did not get any retro. I did not get any, make them say that I'm sorry. My mom believed 100% that if she could teach me that lesson, that no matter how unfair life is, no matter how good or bad my days were in the future, that if I knew that God loves me and has a purpose for my life, then I would be okay. And you know what? As annoying as that was, and as how many times I rolled my eyes at that, because it did get to the place where my sisters and I were like, what would mom say? And we would just know, God loves you and has a plan for your life. And so, you know, and now I believe that my world and my life has been shaped by that phrase that she was totally resilient and perseverant to speak over our lives. And so, you know, I remember, you know, being in my home and you know how as kids, you just go get so used to the blessings, it becomes normal. And I've seen that in my kids as well. I have to remind them often how blessed they are uh, because I have to give them the alternative or I have to think, you know what? You know, it could be worse. 
You know, your life is blessed that the refrigerator is full. Your life is blessed. And so we have to remind our kids of the things that they take for granted. And we also have to remind ourselves of the things that we take for granted. And so the things that have become normal to us, oftentimes we will, honestly, we will expect it instead of realize that we are blessed. I, I remember reading a book called Raising uh, Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. And it was a life-changing parenting book for me because it really gave me perspective on how to help my kids be raised in a way that they would be respectful and grateful and not just expect everything be, to be given to them. Now, honestly, I'm still obviously teaching those lessons. You're not done until you're done until they move out of the house. And um, you know what? I have to often remind my children, no, if you would like that, you can buy that for yourself. <laughs> because I have already bought you something. <laughs> and now my, a couple of my kids are working. So that's the best season in the whole wide world because I literally don't really have to do much for them because they have money of their own best thing ever and um and so i even borrowed money from my daughter the other day because i didn't have any cash i was like i'll pay you back <laughs> and i remember my mom doing that to me when <laughs> she was like mom i was like i've gotta pay you back i just don't have cash right now um but you know what the mantra at our house is you are blessed to be a to be a blessing. And so that is what we always say. We've said it since they were little. And before I send them off to their babysitter or to a friend, I'm like, be a blessing, be a blessing, be a blessing. If there is any misbehavior or anything that I know that they know they shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be acting like in public, I'll look at them and say, you are blessed. And they will say, to be a blessing. Because they know that means that I just caught them not being a blessing and they need to correct it. And so this phrase is something that is totally our motto, our mantra, because of the fact that that was what shaped my life and who I am. It was people who were willing to invest in my life and be a blessing for nothing in return. And so this is a message that I've seen lived out through other Christians that have changed my life. You know, when I was 20 years old, y'all, I was serving God. I was devoted to God. I was passionate. My relationship with him was personal. I even did things for God. At 17, I went to the, I saved up money to go to the Philippines. Uh, and then I saved up money to go to Poland. And then I saved up money to go to Bible college. So I loved the Lord. I was seeking God. But there was another level of my faith that I had not come into yet. And so when I was 20 and I graduated Bible college, I was in great need of a car. So this is the car I drove. Do you have that picture? Okay, this is the awesome car that I got to take to college. It's very cool. It's called a classic now. I actually looked it up. They actually, I guess, what do they do? They remodel them? What does the remodeling a car mean? Restoration or rebuild? They rebuild these and sell them for money because they're classics now. Um, which, uh, believe me, I have no nostalgia to need to drive that car again. None. Okay, so this was the family car. My parents bought it from my grandparents. My mom drove it, then my oldest sister drove it, then my middle sister drove it, and then there was a season when I had my driver's license that all three of us shared it together. And then finally, I moved off to college, they got their own vehicles, and I got it all to myself. 
And so I drove up to college, the cool uh, person that I am driving that, and everybody literally stopped and watched who got out of that car. And um, so I was one of the few people at Bible college that had a car, and so everybody wanted to ride with me. And so since my friends uh, and I were so close, they felt like they were really disconnected if they were in the back seat. So three or four of us would just line up in the front seat because nobody wanted to be so far away in the back seat. <laughs> That's how big this car was. And so the thing is, is the fact that I was in desperate need. I was praying, Lord, I spent all my money on Bible college. I have no money left. I'm about to graduate. I know I need a car. There is no way that this car is going to last me that much longer. And so I prayed and prayed, and I remember someone coming up to me and saying, I'm going to give you a car. I'm going to go buy you a car. And they took me to the car dealership and bought me a vehicle. And I remember knowing, just thanking God, knowing that God had answered my needs. I had no way of working at that point because I was in school. And God just totally over and abundantly met my need because it was a real need. And I really was in a place that there was no option other than to pray about it. I had no other source. I had no other way of being able to do it. God just moved and blessed me. And I remember how overwhelmed I was to, and thought, wow. What extravagance that this person would bless me like this. And I remember being so, feeling so unfit to be able to even say thank you. Because it just doesn't feel like enough. But as a 20-year-old, I remember thinking, I am going to do this for someone else. I am going to be the person. I'm not there yet. I don't have what I need to give someone a car right now. But I am going to give cars away. Like, I just was like, I'm going to do this. And then I remember my pastor's wife offering me, my pastor and pastor's wife offered for me to live with them after Bible college. And so for seven months, I lived with them rent-free, grocery bill-free, utilities-free, and just working, saving money. And I remember leaving that moment thinking, how could I ever repay them? How could I ever repay them? And I remember writing them a thank you note and literally just saying, God, I don't even know what to say. How can I just say thank you? They were so generous. And I remember God revealing in that moment, just tell them that you will do it for someone else. And I wrote that letter saying, thank you so much. There are no words to be able to even explain my gratefulness, but I will commit to do this for someone else in need. And so my pastor's wife came to me and said, you get it. There is no way you can repay me back. But if you can go do it for someone else, that is what we're doing. And so I think it's so powerful as we take our faith to the next level of maturity. Because in James it says that faith without works is dead. Good. My faith as a young person was personal, was passionate, was devoted. But it had not taken that next step of maturity to say, I'm responsible now. And to say, I am blessed to be a blessing. And so that's changed everything in my life and the trajectory of the steps that I took from there on out. You know, I've found so much purpose in being blessed to be a blessing. There's times in life, and I'm sure that you've felt this way too, if you thought, you know, what am I supposed to be doing right now? 
Like, what is my purpose? What is my calling? I know as a young mom, because I did love the toddler season, y'all, I killed potty training. I was just like knocking it out. We did assembly line showers. I mean, I had a system. I was getting it done. But then I remember when my kids went to elementary school and all of them were gone. And I remember thinking, everything that I ever dreamt of is over. Because that was my favorite part of life. And I had to actually reset my thoughts and think, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? And sometimes in those moments where we have questions, the best place that we can return to is I know that I'm called to be blessed, to be a blessing. And that's where I believe God can begin to speak to us and be more specific and point us in the right direction as we go back to the foundation of no matter what, even if I have questions about the specifics, I know that right now in my power, I can be blessed to be a blessing. In James 1.18, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everybody say every. 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 So what does every mean? Every, it doesn't leave anything out. So every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And the first fruits represent something that we can look at that we teach in our church is our tithe and our offering. We give our tithe and offering out of obedience. It is our first fruit. It's our first and our best. And here at the house, we turn that in money into ministry. We say this money is given to the Lord out of obedience so that we can see the community reached for Jesus. So we can see the kingdom of God furthered on this earth so that we can be blessed to be a blessing. And so this is God. This is James saying God chose us to give us birth through the word of truth as a kind of first fruit so that means he invested us into this world on this earth to be a blessing to further the kingdom of god to use everything that he has given us every good gift to then go be a blessing to this world and so we are a first fruit so i want to talk a little bit about what he has given us to steward he has given us time he has given us talent he has given us treasure And these are three areas that we are responsible to either be in charge of ourselves or submit to the lordship of Jesus. Because that's the whole concept. When we receive the father's gift of his son that died on the cross for our sins and didn't ask for us to pay back our sins, he paid them for us. This moment was that he made available to us an opportunity to steward the things that he's given us in a way that it would mean everything to the world. You know, Hayden Robinson was a great preacher of our time, and he said, you will invest your life in something, or you will throw it away on nothing. And we all have that decision every single day when we take our time and our talent and our treasure. We can say, am I going to throw it away on nothing? or invested in something. I believe the graveyards are full of those who now wish that they would have invested their life in something. 
You know, my heart is that the, the, and it's kind of weird to think of the graveyards of the people in this room, but my heart is the tombstone of the house. The people of the house would say they are blessed to be a blessing. They lived this life like they are blessed to be a blessing. You know, in these areas of time, talent, and treasure, both the devil speaks and God speaks. In just every area of our life, we have got to learn as Christians to recognize the voice of the enemy and the voice of the Lord. And so the devil's voice will always be one of lack. That's why there is actually a spirit of poverty. And then God's voice will always be one of more than enough. It will always be one of supply and provision because he is a God of prosperity. That doesn't mean that every time you pray for a million dollars, you're going to have that in your bank tomorrow. I am talking about the fact that what is inside of him, his nature, he does not leave his children without or in lack. He said he came to give life and life more abundantly. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That means he has the spirit of poverty trying to attach itself to the body of Christ to keep the kingdom of God away from being furthered. And so when we steward what he's given us, and when we say, you are the Lord of my time, you are the Lord of my talent, you are the Lord of my treasure, that means you give me everything I need in those areas. I am blessed to be a blessing, and nothing can hinder me except for me agreeing with the enemy saying that I have lack. The Lord's voice will always, always speak, but we won't always put our, lend our ear to hear it. And so our first thought is the enemy's thought. Our first thought is, you don't have enough money to give. You don't have enough time for that. You aren't good enough for that. You remember so-and-so is so much better than you. Okay, that is the enemy. That's lack. That's poverty. But then when we say, okay, wait a minute. That's lack. That's poverty. I know that's the enemy. What does God say? I have more than enough for you. I'll provide anything you need. I am Jehovah Jireh. I will give you enough time to do what I've called you to do. Okay, so here he is providing for us because that is who he is. He cannot go against his nature. He is our provider. Okay, so God has given us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. But that means we may not have enough to do what he's not asked us to do. And so I do believe there are times where we are trying to do something that he never asked us to do, and we don't have enough to do it. And that's why we have to know what God has called us to do and do that. That doesn't mean that I feel like doing what God's called me to do every day. There's times where I feel like I can't do it. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough this. But if I know that I'm called to do it, I know he'll provide. The times where we need to question is, okay, God, am I doing this because I want to do it, because I thought it was you, but I didn't really make sure it was you. I don't think I'm called to do this. I'm called to do this. The devil is always trying to distract us and spread us too thin. We have got to stay with singleness of eye so that we can steward our gifts to be a blessing. I don't believe he asks us to give what we don't have. I don't believe he says, give me $1,000, and that was going towards your mortgage. I don't believe he's saying that because that's not yours. You don't have it to give. You have to pay your mortgage. It's already the mortgage companies. 
But I think that if you have money that you know, actually, it was going to go towards that new bedroom furniture. I know I can hold off on that. And God's asking me to invest this, to give it to the kingdom, to give it to someone who I know needs it. That's the money that I know that God will provide that bedroom furniture later. I'm going to give this because this is the money that I have to give. And he is asking me to give it. Okay, so here we have the first thing that we give. And the first thing we give is time. The devil says we don't have enough time. The devil says we're too busy. And I have been so guilty of this as a mom of four young children, married to a busy man, working at the church, building two ministries. We have Be The One Ministries and the church here. And in many seasons of my life, I often felt very overwhelmed and said, I'm too busy or I don't have enough time. And I've really had to realize, because the Lord has taught me, you're cursing your time. You're cursing your time. I have given you all the time you need to do what I've called you to do. What have I called you to do? And so the one thing, the beautiful thing about time is he was so, he's so generous with time. You and I both have 24 hours in a day. And if we don't use one day the way that we hoped we would, we get another chance the next day with 24 more hours. It's the most merciful and gracious and generous thing that he gives us is time. Now, the other thing is, is that we can't, we don't know the years we have. Somebody in this crowd may have 100 years. Someone in this crowd may have 60 years. Someone may have less years. I don't know the years you have, but I know we still have the same amount of hours in every day. And that's why we can wake up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And what am I supposed to do today to be blessed to be a blessing? Because I know that my life may be short. If anything, recently we have seen that life is short. Our country has been in this pandemic, and there have been people dying. We saw just recently how short George Floyd's life was, which was not God's plan. But I do believe that what we can do as Christians is be blessed to be a blessing and take the 24 hours that God has given me today to do what God has called me to do. So tomorrow, if I pass, my tombstone will say she lived like she believed. And that is more important to me than any other breath that I could take. If I waste my breaths, that is not worth it. I don't believe God created us to waste our lives. But God's truth is he has given us more than enough time. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Somebody say, are the days that are evil? Does anybody agree the days are evil? Okay. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what God has asked you to do. Okay, we're not talking about what somebody's asked your neighbor to do. We're asking what God has called me to do today. And I'm going to take every opportunity he gives me to be blessed, to be a blessing. And I'm going to walk it out. Okay, so there's a macro view of time. One thing I would say is there's a macro view. So that means, Maggie, you were not supposed to be born in 1865. You were born in this decade, in this generation, in this century, And you were placed here on purpose in this period of time. So that means there's a reason. 
Each and every one of us, whatever year you were born, there was a reason why you weren't born in another century. In this generation, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And in a micro version is what do we do with our time? Now, I'm going to be honest. I am not the best time manager. So I remember I would hear a sermon like this, and I would think I'm such a failure. <laughs> I make a time, like a calendar of like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and I just, it's like I can't follow it. Like I can't do it exactly the way I plan it. But what I have realized is, is that is not necessarily the point because I think each and every one of us are made differently. I can learn better time management skills and that helps, but I may not be able to live a type of schedule like someone else that is very rigid. I think both of the personalities and both of the gift sets can say, I am blessed to be a blessing and I'm going to use my time to do that. And so I think that, that sometimes we get thrown off by that. Just think about Moses. Toward the end of his life, he said, so teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. And I believe that kind of heart of wisdom means that someone lived their days like it was their last. Realized what was important and what wasn't important and spent their time on the things that were important. Do y'all remember that video that went viral on social media of the little girl who was like critically ill. She was hooked up to all these tubes and she was singing at the top of her lungs, Mandisa's Overcomer. I'm an overcomer. And she was, I'm not a singer, but she was. And she was belting it out at the, I mean, just everything in her she was singing. And it went viral. Everybody shared it. Everybody was like, how could this little girl possibly have so much joy in her hospital bed? But I believe that girl at her young age learned to count her days. And there was a purpose in her life, even though she didn't know if she was going to get to live tomorrow or not. I think that sometimes in our days, you'll see that rare teenager that you think, wow, they're mature beyond their years. And that doesn't mean that they don't mess up, fail, and succeed. I just am saying there are those few teenagers that you say that they're, they're different. They're not believing the narrative of the world that says that these years are to waste and they don't have any purpose. They are living, they're doing something with their lives. They're tr they're, they have a focus. They're learning about their relationship with God. They're growing. They're, they're investing their life. And we look at that and we think they have counted their days. That's someone whom the world would say, you're excused. You don't have to do anything with your life until you're 18 or 21. But those teenagers that you look at and think, wow, they're mature beyond their years. It's like they, they have a revelation that their days are numbered, that they're counting their days. I think of the founder of our ministry in Hot Springs. Her name was Hetty Brooks. Her name is Hetty Brooks. And I'm telling you, she hosted women's conferences into her 70s. She, hosted, she went on mission trips to Belize into her 70s. Just recently, I talked to her granddaughter last summer, and she was like, she literally cannot sit still. She literally every day gets up and cooks a whole pot of food and invites everybody she sees to her house to eat. Because I know she's counting her days. She's in her 80s, and she believes that her life has a purpose and that she can have her time is able to be blessed to be a blessing and continue to be used until she has no time. Okay, so obviously the next one is God gives us talent. He gives us talent, and that's a hard one for some people because a lot of times people look at themselves and think, what do I have to give? I'm not good at anything. 
They look, what we do is we start measuring our, our lack by someone else's success. And so the thing with it is the word is clear that he gives every single one of us gifts and talents. We all have natural aptitudes. Now, if we begin to compare ourselves like the devil would love for us to do, we will be discounted and we will not be a blessing with those talents. And so I think that we got to look at the word to see what God says. He says to multiply your gifts. Yes, you have a seed of a gift. Now multiply it. If you hide it, it will not be a blessing. But if you give it, it will be multiplied. And so in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each one has received a special gift. So that means each of us. Nobody is out of this one. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this is that word steward again. It says, basically steward means that that gift is really not your own. It was given to you by God to steward and serve others. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were created for good works. If you have asked yourself, what was I created for? This verse shows us we are created for good works. Created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand, before you were born. He created those gifts. That we should walk in them. And the walk in them part, y'all, is the hardest part. Because that means we have to develop them. And I'm telling you, the developing process is not fun. The developing process means I'm good at this. This is my gift or talent. And now I have to go learn. Now I have to go here. Well, do it this way because that will be better. Now I have to go, well, that's the wrong way to use it. This is the right way to use it. Now I have to be responsible for how I multiply this gift. And I have to give it even though it's not perfect. And I have to give it even though I feel inferior. And I have to give it even though I feel insecure. And I have to give it even though I know so-and-so does it so much better. Because that's how I multiply the talents God has given me. You were created with a talent. He's given you a spiritual gift. And now we have to identify that. And that's one of the reasons why here at the house we want to fuel purpose. That's why we provide framework, because we want you to catch the vision of the house, and we want your spiritual gifts to be unlocked. I was never unlocked until I became a blessing. That's when my spiritual life was unlocked. There are people who have lived with me, countless people who have lived with me, because I was committed to be blessed to be a blessing because someone did that for me. And they are never going to be able to repay me. But what my prayer is, is that if I offer this to them, I'm praying that they will get the revelation and their their gifts will be unlocked. That when they are able, that they will be blessed to be a blessing. But the enemy would love for us to compare ourselves. He would love for us to say, I want that position. I want that platform. I want that title. But as soon as it becomes about that, that is basically like hiding your gift. It will be squelched like that because that is the enemy's heart, is that we would seek the platform, the position, and the title. But God is saying, I will multiply your gift if you will just use it and serve others and be a blessing with expecting nothing in return. 
and I will multiply those gifts. That's why we have freedom. Freedom class here at the church, it will unlock your gifts like never before because you will learn how to combat comparison and inferiority. You will learn how to combat pride. You will learn how to combat generational curses. You will learn how to overcome. You will learn how to replace the lie with truth. And you will become a person whom is able to minister because you have personal freedom. And those things that used to hinder us are now addressed. And we can identify them and we can break free of those bad habits and mindsets. That's why we have leadership life group. Because there is nothing like multiplying our gifts until we start teaching others how to do it. Until we lead others. And y'all, leadership is not for the weak. Leadership is not something you're born with. It's something we learn. And every single person starts out leading themselves. Every single person starts leading themselves before they lead others. And that's why Leadership Life Group is so important. You're like, well, I'm not a boss. I'm not a CEO. I'm not, I don't really want to be a leader of a team. That is not what the Leadership Life Group's about. It's about starting where you are in seed form. And taking a step and saying, my faith is not going to be dead. I'm going to put works with it. And I'm going to take responsibility to be blessed, to be a blessing. And leadership class helps me learn how to do that. And so number three is God gives us treasure. And I just want to frame this up with, I really believe that scripture where it says every good gift is from God. So what you look at as no big deal are not that great. That is your treasure that you've been given. And we can all say, okay, God, this doesn't look like much, but what should I do with it? I remember Stephen and I starting out life in, like, we got married and we lived in a single wide trailer on um, the ministry that we worked for's property. And I'm just telling you that was not exactly the life I had intended (laughs) or the home I thought I would end up living in. And I remember having to process it, (laughs) thinking, oh, do I want to do it this way? Um, But I remember I was called, I was excited, and I remember telling the Lord, I was like, Lord, if I use this house that you've given me to the most that I possibly can use it, I know that you will provide more. And so I remember from the beginning of our marriage, we had somebody live with us that first summer. And um, we were only married a couple months. And then we began to host all the youth events at our house. I remember one Christmas party before we moved into our new property. And I remember, I'm telling you, there was no room in my home. There were kids lined up in the hallway like sardines. (laughs) Because we had so many people in our little house at this Christmas party. And I remember leaving that party and going to bed and telling Stephen, I said, God's going to give us something. God's going to give us something bigger because I knew that we had reached the place where we had been blessed to be a blessing and we needed it and that it wasn't just for show and it wasn't just to say, look at me, look at my house, look at my property. It wasn't just for me, mine and mine to enjoy. It was, I knew that if God knew I would use it for him, that he would give it. And so sure enough, within weeks, we found a property, a much bigger home, seven acres, and that's where we raised our kids for the first eight to well, 10 years. We lived there for 10 years. Trevor was born two weeks after we moved in, or maybe a week after we were moved in. 
And so I remember again, we moved up here and we had this rental property, rental home, and it was a blessing. It was a nice, large home. And I just remember thinking I wanted to own something so bad. I'd never rented. And I remember saying, God, I will use this rental property and I will do what you want me to do with it. But I am asking you that we would be able to own again. And so we didn't have a building for the church. So we used our, our home as much as possible. We had church members that had an apartment, apartment, y'all, a small apartment. But we used their clubhouse for a very long time to meet with Dream Team. Because we weren't looking at what we didn't have. We were going to use what we did have, even if it was in seed form. You know, we have an internship starting. Last week, our very own Sophie moved in with the Cheat Woods, and she's a part of the internship this week. I have an intern uh, flying in today right after the service. We have an intern coming in, I believe, tomorrow, I think. Uh, and so, anyways, we're in full swing in the internship. And so the thing is, is the fact that we could very easily say, well, we're, our church isn't big enough yet, or what, would, what do we have time to do that? But instead, we're just going to say, we're just going to start with what we have. We're going to start with a seed, and we're going to be blessed to be a blessing, and we're going to continue to reproduce and multiply our gifts until more is given. We're not going to wait till more is given. We're going to do something today because our time is a gift to God. Okay, so the bottom line is, is my money and my home and everything I own is God's. So I don't look at it as... Just for me, I'm asking God, what do you want me to do with this? What have you called me to do with what you've given me? I know with money for my kids, I'm constantly teaching them. If you have something on your heart that you need, pray. Pray and ask God that he would provide that. Or work. <laughs> so those are the two options at my house. <laughs> those are the two uh, responses. But the thing is, is we've got to give with no ulterior motives. We don't give to receive. We don't give to be rewarded. We don't give to be appreciated. Because the Bible is very clear that God is our rewarder. And that he hears the prayers of the righteous. And if we have ulterior motives, y'all, that is unrighteousness. We have to check our hearts all the time. And we have to ask ourselves, why do I not want to give? Why do I not want to give my time? Why do I not want to give my money? Why do I not want to give my talent? What is in my heart that is hindering me from being blessed to be a blessing? And I believe the Holy Spirit will identify those things that are hindering us from unlocking everything God has for us. The, the devil will always say you don't have enough resources. Your house isn't big enough. You don't have enough money. You don't dress nice enough. You don't. He'll always whisper in our ear and say we don't have enough. And the Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is the source of our needs. I appreciate the stimulus check, but that is not the source of my needs. God is my provider. The government can help, but that is not my source. I don't even look to my employer at one time. Obviously, we work for the house now, but I remember working for a previous ministry, and I was very in the thick of feeling very poor because we didn't make very much money. 
And I remember God speaking to me saying, your provision does not come from the man who writes that check. Because I would often think, I wish he would just notice that he, and he would just give us more money. <laughs> like we're working really hard. Could you pay us some more? And I remember God saying, it's not who signs your check. It's me. And I remember we committed to tithe what we knew we needed. So we tied the amount that we knew we needed, even though we didn't make that much. And every year we were amazed at the end of the year when we did our taxes and looked to see how much we had given, how much we had brought in. And we're, I don't know how we did it, but we live like we make this much money, except we make this much money. And the reason why we get to live like we make this much money is because we've chosen to tithe like we make that much money. Because I realized the revelation that God is my provider. He shows us every step of the way how generous he wants us to be because he is generous. He's not asking me to do something that he didn't show me how to do. We don't own the things that we can't give away. They own us. And that's why we have to check our hearts when we think we don't have enough. We have to say, God, why do I think that? I don't want this to take a hold of who I am. We don't give out of fear. That's the enemy's plan. If I give this to you, then I won't have enough. We give out of faith knowing that I heard God and he's always going to provide everything that I need to do what he has called me to do. He is my rewarder. And when I feel like I need some appreciation or affirmation or anything, I go to him and say, okay, God, what do you think about me? What do you think about me? That's what gives me the heart to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, the point is this. I love it when the Bible says that. The point is this. That's really simple. (laughs) Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I just want to stop there and say, there are times that we are going to feel like we're under compulsion, and there are going to be times that we feel reluctant to give. Those are the times that we check our heart and say, God, why do I feel lack? Why am I thinking that this is not your call? Is it, are you telling me not to give or are you wanting to change my heart? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. I love that because he's saying, I will enrich you to be generous. You're thinking right now, how do I be generous? This is so hard. I was raised like this or this is what my bank account says. And God's saying, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. He'll give you everything you need. To be generous like him, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I want my life to make someone else say, thank you, God. I want my time and my talent and my treasure to make somebody else say, thank you, God. And that's where we surrender it all and we say, we do want to honor you. We do want to glorify you. We're giving you all of it. Just like that song said. He is the ultimate picture of generosity because he as a father gave his son and paid it all for us. And he didn't give his life just because he thought everybody would accept him. He gave his life knowing that some would not accept him. He gave his life with no strings attached. 
And that's the kind of giver that he wants the house to be. That's the kind of person that he wants you to be. When we, when we accepted Jesus, it was the best offer ever. We went from death to life. We went from darkness to light, from sight to faith, from poverty to prosperity. We no longer have to live in lack, but we have more than we need. If you have not been a part of this series, I want to encourage you, make sure that you catch up on this series if you missed one. Go back to the first one, count your blessings. Then Devin preached a great message about how blessings can be in disguise. Last week we talked about blessing our heart, and this week we're talking about being blessed to be a blessing. But don't miss out on what God's building and teaching us. He's discipling our church through the word that's spoken. The people that speak from this pulpit are people who are seeking God for you. They want to have the heart of God to share with you. So make sure you don't miss what God's saying. But in this moment and in this season, I want to ask ourselves, what would hinder us from being a blessing? Right now, in this time of our society and in our world, there's a lot of things that can hinder us. Judgment can hinder us. Offense can hinder us. Rejection, disappointment. All these things are going in our lives. Many opinions can hinder us from doing this. But I want to encourage you to identify that hindrance and say, Lord, I commit today to be blessed to be a blessing and nothing can stop me from doing that because you've given me everything that I need to do what you called me to do. I want to end in this scripture where it says, Luke 6, 37 through 38, it says, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned, forgive and you will be forgiven, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. And I just want to tell you that I want to be known, not for judging, not for being offended, but for giving forgiveness, for giving mercy, for giving peace, for giving joy, for giving love, for giving hope, because that's what was given to me. And I think that that's what Friday the 19th is all about. We as a church have been given hope. And we are going to point the world to the hope that we have been given. And that is what a generous heart is about. I want that hope to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, put into our lap. For with the measure that we give it, the measure will receive it. And that is good news. I just want uh, Pastor Stephen to come and end this service and pray with us. But I hope that this message blessed you and I hope that my heart was shown. This is just really the story of my testimony. Come on. And I believe that God's no respecter of persons and that being blessed to be a blessing will change your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.